Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I'm at Advanced Process Technologies, or APT for short, located in Cocado, Minnesota. I am back to my homeland. This is where a lot of the Webb family started, and uh, it feels, uh, I don't know, a little homecoming-ish, I guess, to be back in Cockatoo. nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we went on a tour, and uh, but quick, I want to introduce everybody. We got a whole table full of the leadership team here. To my right is Dan Leckelt. Huh? Did I screw it up? Leckelt? No, I think it's Leckelt. Okay. Yep, you got it. The CFO of APT. How you doing, Dan? Good. Good. <laughs> All right. And to his right, we got Tom Russell, the vice president of project engineering. How you doing, Tom? Great. Good. Craig Campbell, the man, the president. How you doing, Craig? I am doing good. Good. And last but not least, we got Jared Brandt, the VP of operations. How you doing, Jared? Wonderful. Good, good. <laughs> and uh, co-hosting with me again today is the lovely Melanie LaRue. How you doing, Melanie? Hi, Jason. All right. So the tour uh, Jared was nice enough to bring us on that tour, and uh, it was uh, some some surprising amounts of cheese come through <laughs> these uh, machines that are made at APT. And uh, let me th- see if I get this right, Jared. The big cylinder thing that makes the cheese is that the cheese vat. That is correct. A vat can make about seventy five hundred pounds of cheese in about I don't know thirty minutes. That's correct. Yep. And some companies will have like six of those vats, and, they, and one person can operate all six. That is correct, yep. That is a ton of cheese. That's a lot of cheese. Put some cheese on it. Yeah, cheese. <laughs> Everything's better with cheese on it. Like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing that much cheese come out of a, like a plant at one time. It's Seven- kind of the way I think of Wisconsin. You know, just one big vat of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think of how much cheese I, I eat. And oh, and another thing you, you mentioned was uh, a block of cheese, a common block of cheese weighs how much? Oh like gosh. 640 pounds? 640 pound blocks, yeah. Or 500 pound barrels. 500 pound barrels. Yep. And so when you buy a block of cheese at the grocery store, that's just like a, a, a block. A smaller block cut off the bigger block. Yep, like a half pound or a pound block of cheese will be cut out of a 640 or a 40 pound block. Dang, man, that's a lot of cheese. Now, you guys don't make the cheese. You guys make the things that make the cheese. Is that right, Craig? That is correct. All right, Craig. So you are the president. And I hear you got a, uh, you've been here from since day one. Is that right? Since back in the day? That is correct. And how long has the company been around for? We started in January of 2000. January of 2000, so 21 years. Uh, You're about 120 employees, and uh, I think you started in Winstead. Is that right, Craig? Yes, we rented an office in Winstead, and uh, we were there from uh, January of 2000 until October 1st of 2001. Okay. Were you guys making, like doing the manufacturing there too? We were not. At that point, we, we contracted our fabrication out. 
Okay. So you're doing the design piece design and sales? Piece. Design piece, uh, the install, and the automation. Huh. Yep. So how did this idea come about? It's like, hey, let's start a company that makes things that makes cheese. Yeah. How do like, you how do you how, come up with that idea? Were you a dairy farmer or something? You had some extra milk on hand? Or like, how did you come up with this idea? <laughs> well, first you got to like cheese. Yes. Oh. Everybody loves cheese. Who doesn't love cheese? Yeah, right. So, uh, no, 16 years prior to that, I worked for a company that did a uh, very similar type Operation? Of Correct. Okay. That company got sold out and... Uh, I worked for two more years for that company, and then I started APT in 2000 and uh, took a little bit of the business model that had been lost with me. Okay. So the company was owned by a private guy, uh, Virgil Sherping, called Sherping Systems, and uh, he had a very good business philosophy. And uh, so we continue to carry that philosophy today. Okay. So you you worked for a company that did something similar, but you thought maybe you had a better way of doing it, so you started your own? Is that what happened there? Um, not so much better, but as good as what they had. And um, that company that you were with, did you say that they got bought out? Is that what? Yep. Yeah, yep. okay. They sold out. And, okay. Uh, it would have been 1998, 97, 98, right in there. So about two years later, I left in 99. Okay. Yep. Okay. So what were those early days like? Was it, uh, did you hire a whole crew of people or is it just you and your buddy working out of this office? Can you kind of paint that picture what the early days were like? Well, the early days were uh, a little scary. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> you never know what's going to uh, become of it. But uh, eventually uh, I brought in some additional owners and we ended up having uh, four owners of APT. Um, and then in uh, July of 2000, we merged with a company called Crow River Fabricating, and Crow River was building some of our components that we needed, mm. and they also had a line of equipment. Uh, they built dog kennels and dog trailers. Those two companies became one, and we continued the uh, the uh, dog trailer and kennel business for probably about five or six additional years, and that kind of became... Extinct. Yeah, it just got too busy in the cheese business. Correct. Yep. And it got rid of the dog kennel business. Correct. Yeah. And then Tom, let's go to you, Tom, for a little bit here. You are the vice president of project engineering, huh? What's a project engineer at APT do? Well, uh, Jason, that's a great question. Um, essentially, I'm responsible for the execution of all the projects after the sale. Okay. So uh, I work very heavily on the uh, automation side that kind of makes all the the, the uh, process behind the cheese vats run yeah. in, in an automatic fashion. Okay. allows for uh, minimal operators to run run the cheese vats. Yeah, like uh, what Jared was saying, one guy can t- maybe operate like six vats at a time. Correct. Is that right? Correct. And you're, yep. you're, the, you're the guy that can kind of, you're the one responsible for making that happen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. once once the project is comes in the door, we uh, we take it from there and and uh, kind of work with our process engineers and automation engineers to build up a system that that'll basically uh, Im- implement whatever product they're looking to make there. What product do they make besides cheese? Well, there's a, there's a lot of different varieties of cheese. Oh, I mean, I mean, you, sure. Peop, I mean, majority of Americans probably think, uh, oh, American cheese. That's yeah. that's that's on every hamburger and that you see everywhere. Yeah. Is that you, really cheese, though? Uh, it's debatable, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But but you know, there's all different. There's there's cheddar. There's Monterey Jack. There's 
uh, a bunch of cheese with like uh, inclusions, like a jalapeno uh, oh, yeah. or habanero type yeah. cheese. Uh, there's Swiss cheese, there, and there's very different makes required to uh, to get to that end state with whatever kind of cheese they want to make. And one of the great things at APT is is we're very customer centric focused, and we uh, I think we we can provide a very customized solution to meet those needs of our customers. Well, that brings up an interesting question, I guess. Like, does it require different equipment to make Swiss cheese versus cheddar cheese? Some some of the equipment on the back end. I mean, ultimately, our cheese vat kind of starts that process, and and that is kind of uh, universal amongst all the makes of cheese. But but then when you get to the back end where you're post processing that curd, that that curd may have to go to a what's called a cheese table or an enclosed cheese table or a, a cheese belt. Yeah, and uh, and okay. the, so the process down the road is different, and then. Like Jared said, the, the form factor of the packaging could be different. It could be a 40-pound block. It could be a 640-pound block. Yeah. It could be a loaf of mozzarella cheese. It could be a little uh, like the string cheese that uh, that you get at the convenience store. Okay, okay. Can you give me the Cliff Notes version of the cheese-making process, starting with the milk that comes in on a truck? The Good milk- question. Yeah, I'm just full of them, you know? It's oh, kind yeah. of my job. It's, it, yeah. Well, it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another great question. So yeah, and, and we do pretty much everything at APT from from the receiving of that milk all the way through to packaging. So the cliff notes on it would be that that milk gets offloaded off a truck from the farm okay. and stored in, in storage silos. Okay. Uh, from there, typically what it'll go through what's called a milk pasteurizer, which which essentially just brings it up to an appropriate temperature for a length of time to kill any um, micro bugs in there that we don't want growing in in our food. And you guys make that equipment also, correct? Correct. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, From the pasteurizer, it gets delivered up to the cheese vats where we'll fill like a 70,000-pound vat with cheese. I've seen those those being made down there. Yep, with with milk. Uh, We'll have to add some... uh, some ingredients like starter, which is a culture to make the cheese, and, and that affects the flavors of the cheese. A starter, is that like enzymes of uh, some sort? N- not really an enzyme, but it's 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 more it's actually more of a kind of we call them bugs because they actually kind of grow in there. <laughs> okay. it's, it's a culture, is is what the starter is. It's a, it's a culture. Yeah. And then oh, live. Yeah. Making and, me think of like kombucha. <laughs> you familiar well, with that? Yeah, some yeah. somewhat relatable. With the scoby, that big thing in there. Yep. That, so, okay. Somewhat relatable. All right. <laughs> uh, then we then we actually have to uh, we have to turn that milk into a solid. So we add what's called rennet, which is an enzyme, and that will allow the milk to uh, coagulate into uh, a curd. Okay. We, and we, it's still in the vat. At it's the still still in the vat. So oh. if you can imagine. Uh, maybe a, a soft piece of tofu is about the consistency it comes to. Okay. Uh, then we'll we'll go. And with- these vats. Uh, let me paint a picture here. So for the <laughs> yeah. listeners, so these vats. I mean, they're not a small piece of equipment, man. I don't. I don't know, like how you measure capacity of a vat, but I would say take a a full size family van. You know the kind of van that people drive when they have twelve kids. Take one yeah, of those, right? Those large passenger vans, no minivan. Yeah, and and flip it up on end. <laughs> And then put it on stilts. <laughs> yeah. Now you got a cheese vat. About. 
<laughs> That's, I don't know. All right, go ahead. Yeah, re- yeah. Relatively, yeah. relatively that size for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once the uh, once the curd's coagulated, we'll we'll actually cut the curd. So we've we've got big knives inside the you cheese fat. You cut the cheese. We do cut the cheese, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that will uh, essentially turn it into the the smaller pieces that you may have seen at the store as like a bag of cheese curds. Mm. Um, after after that cutting process, uh, we have to cook it. That actually brings the firmness from maybe that soft tofu-ish type uh, consistency up to more of the hard consistency you feel when you actually have a piece of cheese in your hand. Okay. And uh, from there, we'll, we'll take some of the whey off, which is the byproduct of making cheese. And all this is still in the cheese vat. The whey yep. is coming out of the bottom out of that uh, thing, right? That's a little... Uh, I don't yeah, know what you call it. Out the back of the vat, it'll be curd and whey together. Yeah. So what is whey? I, you know, people drink whey protein powder. Yeah, I was going to say it's right? in protein powder. And, I know that, and and that's that's where it comes from. Is is the byproduct of making cheese? It's whey. It, it's it's essentially the liquid that's left over from the milk after we've extracted all the fat and the protein to to actually make the cheese. Hmm. So what happens is is when it coagulates and it becomes one, I call it a bowl of Jello. Yeah. If you slap the top of it, it's like it's like Jello or jam. Okay. Hmm. And then when you start to cut it. It actually bleeds out, and w- and the whey is actually what bleeds out of the cheese. The cheese becomes a solid, and the liquid bleeds out. And it, is it kind of garbage the the whey part, or do people use it? I mean, they make protein powder out of it, I guess. Or is it uh, is it usable? Is it uh, valuable? Yeah, uh, the the whey has uh, you know some of the primary components in whey would be the lactose. That's the major component in whey. Mm. Um, and lactose is used as a, a food grade filler for pills and and all kinds of all kinds of different foods. They add lactose to it. Oh. Um, and then the other the other components would be proteins. Yeah. And there's a there's a whole variety of proteins that are in that whey. And then there's also a little bit of fat left over. But most of the protein and the fat get made into the cheese curd. Okay. I didn't okay, know so that the, the way, lactose was in the way. The way and the curds come out of the vat, right? Yep, and and then they'll be transferred to some kind of uh, uh, table. T- table, yeah, either a open table uh, or an enclosed table, and or it could be a cheese belt. But but ultimately, all three of those pieces of equipment kind of have the same functionality, and that that is essentially to drain the way off because mm-hmm. we need to get the way off, and. Also, we need to typically we need to salt the cheese as well. Yeah. Okay. And and, and then that's then it, then what? So so then it's going to come off the back of any of those pieces of equipment after after it's been agitated. We've got the way off. We've salted it. So it's 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 more of the consistency you're going to see the cheese at the supermarket, but it's all in a curd form at that point. So mm. it, it's little nuggets of of cheese. So mm. it's not it's not a block. So you typically would send those to other pieces of equipment and actually convert the cheese curds into blocks and okay. package them. Big blocks. So the cheese actually knits back together. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you brought up a good title for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to go with Who Cut the Cheese? What do you think? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. If I do say so myself. <laughs> that was Tom. That was Tom, of course. <laughs> He's guilty. Dan, you know, I don't I don't know if I should talk to you or not, Dan. You know, I'm a little apprehensive. I don't know if you want to get involved in this podcast. You're sitting there smiling at me like you want to say something. So, Dan, the CF 
CEO of APT. How's it going, Dan? Good. Good. So what's your role? I mean, uh, anything unique as far as a CFO's role within a within a, a business like this? Or have you been CFO at o- other places? Do you think a, a CFO uh, job description and duties is relatively the same, whether you work at a, a company like APT or if you work at, I don't know, the sauna business down the street and they might have a CFO? Do you think it's kind of the same duties regardless of what company you're kind of plugged in with as a CFO? Well, um, there are some similar duties, but each company has unique features to it. Okay. What's unique about here is we work in a lot of states. Okay. And that makes it much more complicated. How so? Uh, just compliance standpoint. Okay. Like transportation, installation kind of compliance or what kind of compliance? You know, like talking? sales tax, payroll tax, oh. income tax. Yes. Regulations. Yes. And you Fun got a, stuff. All that you, stuff. And you got a location in California. Yeah, that's the worst. I was going to say. I was going to say. <laughs> you might as well throw New York in there too, man. Yep, right, right up there too. <laughs> and uh, the other location is in Idaho. That's the best. That's the best. Yep. Hmm. Better than Minnesota yes, as far as. Yes, least regulation. Yes. Oh, that brings up another point Jared brought up during the tour. So Jared uh, was lucky enough to be part of, a, or at least... Mm, participate in a dairy farm. And in Minnesota, I think they limit the head of cattle at one location to 3,000, at least at that point in time, unless you find some loophole and get involved with the U of M, and then you can get up to like 4,500, right? (laughs) (laughs) But in Idaho, Idaho, 15,000 head of cattle at one farm, is that right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. What's what's the population in Cocado? Any idea? 3,000. 3,000. So that's like three <laughs> cocados. I mean, five cocados. Five cocados. Yeah, five cocados. On a farm in cows. Yeah, man. That's a, that's huge, a lot that's, of cows. That's a big farm. And dealing with it. So dealing with regulations is different from state to state, and that makes your job a little more, I guess, interesting, we could say. Yep, that'd yeah. be correct. All right. So, Craig, back to you. I want to find out a little bit more about this uh the history and getting to the point where you are now. So when this company first started, was the idea always the same as what you have today? Or did you have one idea to begin with that evolved into what you created today? Ooh, good one. I would say the idea was what we have today. That was You had this vision of having this way back then. And, and, and it's basically what you... What you Not this capacity. I this mean, is it, bigger it, than it what def- you anticipated? It definitely grew bigger than what we anticipated. <laughs> well, amen to that. That's a good thing. So what were you thinking back in the day? It's like, hey, we're going to get like 20 guys together and make some cheese vats. We... Uh, <laughs> you know, the, and actually, the, the, the cheese vats didn't come out for uh, the first six years. So the first six years are basically uh, just... What were you making? We were making everything but the cheese vats. Uh, we made all the components around the, the systems that wash the cheese vats. Actually, we installed other people's uh, equipment as far as that oh, goes. Okay. We designed a system around their equipment and then and, and put it in. So not every company that we uh, work with has the turnkey. They We do the design. Yep. We do the fabricating. Both the on the mechanical and the electrical. Correct. We do automation and then the install. And the install is... Is uh, to me is a, is a big one. We have nine crews that travel around, around the U.S. and, and Canada, mm. and they install the equipment and then they plumb it. 
if you in simple okay. terms. Yeah. So it's not always necessarily our equipment. Okay. The, uh, the end customer might go out and buy three, four different components from different companies. We tie it all together in a design to make it work and size it for them. And then our, our install crews do the install. And that was the bulk of our business when we first got started was more the install okay. um, and the automation and obviously the, the design. So, so initially it was design, automation, install. Correct. And then you're like, well, we might as well make it too. We might at, as well make it too, yeah. At what point in time did you decide to do that? Uh, well, we, we, we moved over to Cocado here in uh, October of 01. We had, a, we had probably, I would say, uh, half dozen guys building small components, and we grew it from there uh, to buy additional equipment to, to build the bigger equipment, basically, it would build down to. Yeah. Nothing today is ever getting smaller, including myself. So we have to, uh, we had a, we, the bigger equipment you have, the bigger equipment you can make. So, yeah, there is a, a big piece of equipment. Uh, what was that the, a press break or something like that? I don't I forget what you call it. It was like yep. 20 feet long. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That thing is huge. Yeah. So. I, I started to feel like I was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again. You're right. Yep. <laughs> All these huge machines. So you moved to Kokato, hired six guys, started making it. And and that went well, and you just kept kept going from there. Huh? It did, but the cheese vats were definitely a big step. When we came out with the cheese vats, that really opened up the doors uh, to a lot of companies we never worked with or knew about that were interested in our our equipment. And so, along with the cheese vats, uh, obviously, if you're interested in that, nine times out of ten, you just don't drop them on the floor and walk away. It's it either you increase your flow or your output. So everything that feeds that system. The vats that is, and then beyond has to be increased as well. So, okay, uh, you know the v- cheese vat sale itself might be 35 percent of the overall project. So, our projects went considerably larger at that point because our sales grew tremendously. The, and the vats, I, I say the cheese vats brought that to us because nine times out of ten, the customer will say, as long as you're putting that in, you do the rest. So we, you know, we only yeah. have to deal with one person, one company. Yeah. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, we thought so. Yeah, yeah. So, is there another thing you need to add to this uh, this master plan of yours? A cheese vat. What what would be, what would come in addition to that? Like, oh, the milk silos or something, or the, you already do the pasteurization part, right? We do. Yep. And then uh, you know everything downstream from the the uh, cheese vats we've done on a smaller scale. Uh, the you know Tom described the dewaying of the. Uh, the cheese after it leaves the vat, you know, that can be done with a table, mm-hmm. as you described. And you know, we have enclosed tables, uh, a cheese belt, and then further down from there, the packaging equipment. We currently are making the 500-pound and the 640-pound packaging line. Uh, there's a piece in between there It's called a that makes a 40-pound block that's very common. Mm. And so uh, some of those additions into our system, I'll call it, or our, our list of equipment, it would be it would probably get us a little bit more turnkey. Okay. So all right. You know, you'll How get there. How big is a block of six hundred or block of cheese that's six hundred and forty pounds? Like what's the diameter on that? Well, I think Jared said it was like I don't know, he he did this like three feet by three, four feet by three, four feet ish. No? Yeah, it's probably like two feet by two feet by two feet. Oh, that's it? Yeah. That's six hundred and forty pounds of cheese? Two feet? That is Dense. That's some thick cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nine four nine forty pound blocks. Mm. Wow. 
We got the CFO over there doing the calculation. <laughs> he, he said that doesn't add up. <laughs> Maybe in California, it depends but not to Minnesota. If you're buying or selling. <laughs> Six, 16, 16 blocks. 16 blocks of cheese. All right. 16, 40 pound blocks of cheese. All right. So, Craig, do you feel like you're always an entrepreneur at heart or did you just happen by accident? Did you try to start other businesses before this business? What was the hardest part of this, man? It couldn't. It, those early days, I've been there. And it for me though, it sucked. And like I tell people, the first year and a half of going into business probably took ten years off of my life. Like I was living on coffee and junk food, and not sleeping, working sun up to sundown, <laughs> six seven days a week. It was horrible. It was horrible. I don't know. What, do you have a similar story, or was it? Uh, you know, all butterflies and rainbows for you. No, very few butterflies or rainbows. But <laughs> I always, I always say that if somebody would give you the video of what your life was going to be like, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody would ever start a company because <clears throat> nobody wants to go through it. But it's, it, it's, uh, it is it's challenging true. at times, and it, it, and but it's also rewarding. So hopefully, the rewards are bigger than the challenges, and uh, it keeps you motivated to keep going. Yeah. So well, it worked out. Look at you now. I did have a bar and restaurant. Uh, in a ballroom. Okay. For, had did that business for ten years, and uh, you don't do that when you're my age now. You definitely do that when you're in your early to Where mid. Where was place. that at? That was in Winstead, also. The Blue Note. The Blue Note. That was yours. That was it. Was mine for ten years. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I've been and, there and several and without, times. And, with, and, and without that free booze, I don't think we'd be this big today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so oh, let me bring this back to like 1991-ish when we used to go there quite a bit. Were you the owner at that point in time? Nope. By chance? 95 is when I got started, 95 to 05. Man, we used to go there to watch Johnny Holmes, right? Oh my gosh, I know Johnny Holmes. And okay, it was like a bloodbath battle royal, right? Okay, uh, I don't think I've witnessed this, that this, Johnny this, Holmes This concert. is what would happen though. It's like you get all <laughs> these these young testosterone filled like men 20 year olds boys from all these different towns right small town farm boys drinking and girls and music <laughs> and attitudes i'm picturing roadhouse exactly the double deuce <laughs> that place was the double deuce <laughs> and there was not enough, Until not enough girls in. for every man. No, oh, boy. right? So no, you settled that outside. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. that was a uh, those some fond memories. <laughs> That's interesting. You used to own that. You owned that for ten years, huh? Yes, we did. Yeah. Oh. You would Would you recommend it? Be a bar restaurant owner. I personally think everybody should own a business of some kind for a period of time <laughs> because I think. Uh, it's a character everything builder. Has its, uh, everything has its pluses and minuses, but I think it gives you a little better perspective when you walk into the next business, uh, yeah. how should you should you should act or uh, treat people. Or something. Yep. Yeah. Less of a Monday morning quarterback than at that point. That's true. Yep. Yeah. You know, you know when I started I, uh, my business or one of my businesses, I started off with about 100000 in the bank for working capital. And a year and a half later... Busting my butt, working all the time. I was down to my last three thousand bucks, and uh, yeah, it was it was stressful. I mean, that financial stress I remember, man, it just kept me up at night. And I'm like, this, but this thing better turn around. It, it's not the podcast, okay? It's a different thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this thing better turn around, and uh, sure enough, it did. And 
I made a, a little bit of money that next year and then a, a little bit more. And then probably by like the fourth or fifth year, I was making decent money. But uh, man, that first year and a half just about killed me. And um, so, yeah, I agree with you. You, If you could see a crystal ball of what your life is about to look like when you start this business, and if somebody would have came up to me and said, all right, you're not going to make any money for a year and a half. As a matter of fact, you're going to lose about $97,000 before you start making a dime. And you'd be working probably like 80 hours a week and to make that point, to get it to that point. Yeah, sign me up. That sounds great. You know, that's terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. But uh, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Ignorance is bliss in that case, right? It very is. It is. <laughs> you know, the same goal. They started out with a million dollars. I got half left. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so let's, uh, I guess I want to talk a little bit more about the business. So you guys are all things cheese, right, and dairy. You make the milk pasteurization uh, tank process thing, right? What would you call that? I don't know what the technical term for that would be. No, the, the pasteurizer would be a heat exchanger. We design the process to, to do it. Okay, you don't yeah. actually manufacture it. Correct. Okay. The things you do make are the cheese vats and everything the the uh, the separate the table and um, the components the electrical pieces everything re- kind of all encompassing for that cheese vat to make cheese you guys make those things yes, yes. We, we also we also build tanks uh, starter tanks and cleaning systems uh, platforms uh, truck access platforms and then then we put together valve skids for the processes. And then the cheese vats and the and the cheese tables, cheese belts, and then and then on the on during the further processing of the whey, we also build a lot of tanks and whatnot that that process the whey. So, what would be a good customer for you? Like, um, what would be? A, tell me about a couple of the most recent people that bought some products or services from you. Who who would they be? Um, AMPI is one that does a lot that mm. that we do a lot of work with. Uh, Agropure. Which is Lasour Cheese Company? Uh, it used to be Lasour Cheese Company, mm. um, and then we work all around the whole country. So we work for California Dairies, Magic Valley Milk, Brewster Cheese uh, in Ohio. Uh, they have plants in Ohio, Illinois, and and Idaho. So okay, we go we go all over. We we have a lot of customers. Okay, and they can hire uh, you guys either for the design process or the installation process or the maintenance process or the buying a piece of equipment or all of it? Can they pick and choose or is it? Uh... Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I, ideally our projects would involve all all of our competencies here at APT, but we definitely do, m- most of the jobs we do might be one, two, or three of our core competencies. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we could do automation only. Uh, we could do fabrication only, installation only, or process engineering only. Gotcha. Well, we're running up to the 32-minute mark. Hasn't this gone fast? Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? <laughs> what did I forget? Anybody want to chime in about anything regarding uh, APT, Advanced Process Technologies? There's, did I miss anything? Anything you want to contribute? There is one thing I'd like to contribute. Uh, you know, you talked a lot about the cheese. Uh, the cheese is, and the dairy as a whole is probably 80% of our business. And mm-hmm. uh, the other 20% uh, is uh, non-dairy related. And the uh, biggest portion of that would be eggs. Oh. And eggs. back in 2010, 
bring Tom's name back in. Me and Tom worked together prior to APT starting. Oh. Tom split off and started his own automation group in Nebraska. I ended up doing APT. And in 2010, uh, we joined our companies together. Tom had a good background at that time in the egg business, working with Michael Foods and a few of the other folks out there. And um, so the, the hope was that we could continue at a minimum doing the automation for those companies, but in the same breath down the road, being able to do turnkey packages. And that's where we are today. I think the last three, three years for sure, we've been building eggplants along with, uh, you know, dairy obviously is still our big one, but building eggplants and um, it's the same type of work, very similar equipment. And uh, so it's a good additional source for us because the dairy, uh, you know, the dairy is number one, obviously for us, it's got us where we're at, but to all, to get a different type of a different industry is very good. And so, oh, yeah, uh, differentiation is always key. Diversify. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, that's been a real good, uh, real good uh, industry for us as well. And so, uh, hats off to Tom because a lot of that came from his hard efforts when his company was in Nebraska. Okay. So, okay. Good job, Tom. So, what? Thank you. What goes into like, what, what do you need machines for when you're dealing with eggs? Obviously, you've got to be very careful. That's Don't n- break that, them. And that's no yolk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, oh, typically, <laughs> typically they start out at uh, with with cracking machines, and they come from Italy, and uh, they, uh, they they separate the whites and yellows, store it, and then either pasteurize that and salt as liquid, or as they get enough capacity, they do their own drying, and they'll build a dryer and dry those products as well, and use them for cake mixes and whatnot. But um, so that's kind of a growing thing, uh, okay. but it's. Again, it's right up our alley. So, yeah, um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I tried the whole egg white diet back in my bodybuilding days, thinking I want to be all buff and stuff. But uh, man, yuck! Yeah, I went through I, I a lot I of egg beaters. The, oh. Yeah, you did. Well, oh, egg, yeah. Did you do the egg whites? I couldn't do just the plain egg whites. Right, right. I couldn't. I, I had to do like the egg beaters. <laughs> the plain egg whites are just. <laughs> It makes pizza look a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> sure does. Yeah, let me eat my egg whites and broccoli again. Ooh, <laughs> yuck. All right, well, let's bring this home. Advanced Process Technologies, Inc., located in Cockatoo, Minnesota. I mean, <laughs> Cocato, Minnesota. Also located in uh, California and Idaho. Their website is a... PT-INC.com. Check them out. APT-INC.com. Let's see. Dan, Tom, Craig, Jared, Melanie. Thanks for joining me. You guys did an awesome job. And uh, yeah, thank you. And I, I'm looking forward to what the future has for APT. You guys did a great job. Thank you. And thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota. Minnesota.